Yes, we are here again. This is now Tellers. And we are going to be talking about your beliefs, your limiting beliefs. If you can change your limiting beliefs, then you can change your life. But that's not Anthony saying now, because here we are on Now Tellers, where we have guests come and tell us everything that we would like to hear. They come and tell us stories, inspire us, they come and educate us. And today we have a guest who has a very good name. <laughs> I like his name. His name is Lion Goodman. <laughs> and uh, without taking one more minute, I'm going to go with you and meet him. But uh, remember to share this episode with your friends, all your friends. Also, uh, Give us a comment, ask questions as we are going on, because uh, we are here to tell you, or rather our guest is here to tell us, and uh, we can always ask him or her, whatever guest is going to be here to tell us more. So let's go and meet Lion. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello, Lion. Hello, Anthony. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, thank you for coming on my show. I really uh, I appreciate all that. Every time I hear someone say, I want to come on your show. So <laughs> we welcome you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yes. Uh, and let's start uh, by you having a very good name. Tell us how this came to be. <laughs> did, you, did you choose your names or what happened? Uh, well, I did inherit the good man part. So that was uh, from my family. That was my family name. Um, but my first name I changed when I was 19 years old. Oh. And uh, I like to say that my parents gave me an assumed name because they assumed I would like it when I grew up and I didn't. So I changed it. <laughs> so so that's, you, uh, that's the story. Yeah. And you don't want to know what well, you don't want us to know what was the name. <laughs> That, that was a long time ago and a different person, so you, <laughs> no you, need. You, you don't like remembering that name. <laughs> okay, so, okay. It was, Gert, it was Gertrude. It was Gertrude, but, but no, I'm just joking. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we get it. And and why did you set on Lion? Well, that's a, that's a more interesting story. Uh, when I was 19, I met a man who had a school in the mountains of Colorado. And it was log cabins, no electricity, no running water. Um, and he was a teacher. He was a brilliant teacher. And on in this mountain school, you chose a medicine name, as the Native people have done. They went off on a vision quest and, and found their medicine name. So he gave me the assignment of, of finding my medicine name. Uh, and so I was walking through the woods thinking, medicine name? I don't know anything about medicine names, you know. I was a kid from Denver. I was, you know, I was an urban kid. Um, and uh, I heard the very distinctly in my mind, lion. And I went, lion? I don't know anything about lions. <laughs> They're in the zoo. That's all I knew. <laughs> so, uh, but I thought, okay, well, if, if that's my name, if that's the name given to me, 
I'm certainly not worthy of it yet. So I thought, well, I'm, I have more dormant potential. So I called myself sleeping lion. And that was my uh, medicine name for a long time until it evolved. And uh, over a period of time, I became lion. So Whoa. grew into it. This is something I'm hearing for the first time. I've no, never heard of a medicine name. So <laughs> it's interesting. And then I see that you're Lion Goodman, PCC. Why? How? Uh, PC what? <laughs> Good question. Uh, PCC stands for Professional Certified Coach. And it's a designation for accredited coaches through the International Coach Federation. And so that's a very large international organization for coaches, for professional coaches. And so that was a designation. I had to take certain classes and have a certain number of hours. So I have more than 5,000 hours of coaching now. Um, so there's one more designation, but it's too much trouble to get it. <laughs> so what do you coach on? Um, I do what I call therapeutic coaching. Uh, we, and I also teach this methodology. We call it the clear beliefs method of trauma-informed therapeutic coaching. And it's mm -hmm. different than most coaching. Most coaching is you know, how to be more successful, how to get things done, how to be accountable, how to improve your relationship. What we do is we go back into the person's past and actually change the causing, the causal material that caused the problem in the present. So mm -hmm. if someone says, I'm having a relationship problem, we take the person all the way back to their childhood where they learned about relationships. Or if they have a financial issue, we take the person all the way back to their first learning about money or finances. Mm -hmm. um, by going to that cause and changing it there at the core of the psyche, everything else can change. So we, we get very rapid and profound and complete and permanent shifts in our clients. Hmm. That's interesting. And now you talk about changing uh, our limiting beliefs and taking us back all the way. And uh, how are these beliefs formed? We Maybe someone can get an insight on how did I get these limiting And what are those limiting beliefs? What do we mean by limiting beliefs? When most people talk about beliefs, they're talking about a mental construct, like I believe in Santa Claus or I believe in less government or something like that. That's a mental idea that people think that that's what a belief is. It's a mental idea that you're committed to. Mm -hmm. uh, but in my 45 years of research, I found out that beliefs are actually the infrastructure of the mind. In the same way that neurons are the infrastructure of the brain, beliefs are the infrastructure of the mind. Mm -hmm. We have this instinct called the patterning instinct, which is from the time we're in the womb, we're looking for patterns in the swirl of experience and then identifying those patterns and using them to survive. So, mm -hmm. for example, a child uh, in, in the womb uh, may be experiencing her mother's stress or fear because the mother's got you know a bad situation, violent husband or war or poverty. And so she's in fear and the baby is also in fear. And the, and the infant inside the womb is growing up inside this fear hormone and may come to the conclusion, sees it as a pattern and may come to the conclusion life is dangerous. Hmm. So we can have beliefs as soon as, as soon as we're born. And then as soon as we're born, we're in this swirl of experience and we're seeing, oh, this when this face comes close, I get cared for and it's warm. When mm -hmm. that face comes close, I get handled roughly and it's cold. 
and prickly, right? So this mm -hmm. is experiential conclusion. It's not a verbal idea. And a baby also may conclude from experimenting, when I cry and make a fuss, I get cared for. And that's a good belief for a baby. Now, remember, this is pre-verbal. There's no words yet. But the, but from experience, that's the conclusion. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's a good belief for a baby. In an adult, it's not a very good belief. We, You and I probably know people who still use that technique to get attention, cry mm -hmm. and make up us, even mm -hmm. though they're adults. I've seen them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so these beliefs begin accumulating. And then, of course, our parents start telling us what is true and so they say who you are and what you're doing and what to do what not to do and how to relate to people so they hold you up and they say oh look at little anthony he's so beautiful he's so cute he's going to grow up to be a lawyer and the the mind is on record mode for the first four years or so so you're just taking it in and going my name is anthony i'm so cute and i'm going to be a lawyer <laughs> okay mm -hmm. so it all comes in so we get indoctrinated by our parents and then our siblings and then our relatives and then our teachers and then our culture and the media. And we get tens of thousands of beliefs poured into us mm. and we begin to form ourselves around them. We build our, our personality around those beliefs about who I am, how to relate to other people, who other people are, what the world is. So, so this is the structure of beliefs and how they accumulate over our lifetime. Mm. And why is it so important that we should uh, get rid of them or change them to use a better name? Precisely because beliefs don't automatically expire, you know, like meat. You know, it says eat this meat before this date or you should throw it away, right? Yeah. Well, we, our beliefs don't do that. Our beliefs just get buried, just pushed down into the subconscious mind and they accumulate in the subconscious. So we never clear them. They're just there. And so as adults, we might run into a problem like someone starts talking to us like our mother talked to us. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm reacting to that person as if they were my mother. Mm -hmm. So that means that there's an old program down in the subconscious mind that's that's been stimulated to come up and reassert itself. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's getting in the way of my relationship with this person, <laughs> then I want to clear it out. Right. If I had a wonderful relationship with my mother and they remind me of my mother, I'm just going to love them more. <laughs> but mm -hmm. but if I had a problematic relationship, then that problem is going to keep coming back over and over again. Or mm -hmm. if I'm living my life and I can't make enough money to survive, there's a belief in there that's interfering with my ability to be prosperous. And mm -hmm. so by going back and finding out what those beliefs are, we can clear them out of the way so that new opportunities open and you can be prosperous. Hmm. Yes, and we see you've great passion in this subject. And I'm curious to know, where did it all start? Why, how, where the interest? How did you get so passionate about this uh, topic? When I was a child, I knew that there was something wrong with me. I looked at other kids, I looked at other people and they didn't make, I, I couldn't fit in. I couldn't fit myself in anywhere. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to be friends. I didn't know how to have friends. Uh, so I was kind of a loner and, I, and an observer and I, uh, I observed other people's uh, behavior. And I thought, well, maybe if I can be like them, if I can find out what's wrong with me, then I could be like them and be part of the group. I could belong. Okay. 
And so I got interested in why people behave the way they do at a very young age. And then uh, when I was a, a, a preteen, I was about 12 years old. My father handed me a book and said, here, you might be interested in this. And it was about reincarnation. And then I found a book on psychic phenomenon like telepathy. And I began practicing telepathy with my girlfriend at the age of 13. And I got quite good at it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, so that started my interest. And then in high school, I got interested in psychology. And by the time I got to college and met my my great teacher uh, in college and began developing myself, I realized there were answers. Why am I the way I am? Why are other people the way they are? Why mm -hmm. is the world the way the world is? So I became curious about everything that could explain human behavior. And and so uh, eventually I realized I knew enough I could now teach other people because I did come to some really good conclusions. Mm. And I also got to understand that you've had such a, an experience in life that uh, that, that is uh, surprising or maybe shocking. Can you tell us that experience uh, and then let the, the, the audience get to hear it from you? Sure. Um, so I graduated from college in 1975. That was a long wow, time ago. That's, that's so, quite a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> probably before most of your listeners were born. Anyway, yeah. uh, so uh, when I graduated, I, I put I created a major called physiology and human consciousness because I was so interested in it. And mm -hmm. so they allowed me to create my own major. So I, I graduated with this degree in consciousness studies. And as far as I can tell, it's one of the first degrees granted in that field. But nobody was hiring people with degrees like that. So I couldn't find a job. So mm -hmm. I took a job selling stuff on the road, selling jewelry and gift items to stores. And so I got a large RV van and tra traveled around the Southwest United States and selling jewelry and gift items to stores. And I did that for about a year and a half. And I was kind of lost. I was like a hippie salesman. You know, I was a little bit of a hippie and a little bit of a salesman. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but because I I had studied all these things, including spirituality and psychology and philosophy and linguistics, I would stop and help people whose cars had broken down. I was a good Samaritan, as they say. Mm -hmm. uh, and on my way between Las Vegas and Los Angeles, there's a big Mojave Desert, and it was about 110 degrees outside. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was driving, you know, happily toward L.A., and I saw a man whose car had broken down. And so I pulled over and stopped and said, can I help you? And he said, oh, you know, my car's broken. I don't know what to do. I, I just put $200 into it and I, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. I said, well, I'm heading into L.A. Do you want to ride? And he looked at me kind of funny. He said, yeah, OK. So he brought his duffel bags and suitcases into my van, which was already crowded. Um, and we started driving. And to make a long story short, we traveled together for three days. I grew to trust him. He would go and get the van gassed up or washed or help me move boxes around. And uh, we would camp out at night someplace in the, in the wilderness. So we were east of L.A. And um, I was in the back of the van moving things around in a crouched position because there was just not enough room. I was putting things into cabinets. And he was in the front of the van listening to music. And suddenly there was an explosion and something hit me in the head. And I thought maybe the gas stove had exploded. And I looked up and the gas stove was intact. Then I looked to my left and there he was with a gun pointed at me from the front seat. And I realized I realized I had been shot. Uh, and that was shocking 
to begin with. But I thought, okay, he's warning me he's going to take all my stuff. And at that moment, I said, it's all yours. Take it all. Mm. Leave me naked outside in the desert. Drive away. I'm fine. <laughs> you know? uh, but then he shot again. And I knew that he was intent on killing me. Not He wasn't warning me. So at that point, I was a sitting duck. I couldn't. I couldn't move. I couldn't defend myself. He was 12 feet away with a, with his hand propped up. So I knew I was going to be dead soon. And I thought, okay, well, this is why I couldn't really see my future because I didn't have one. <laughs> it's like this is maybe this was my fate to die at the age of 26. Mm. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, if I'm going to die, how do I want to die? Well, I had studied death and dying along with, with religious principles. And so I thought I want to die clean. I don't want to die with any anger or resentment or anything left over. So I went through my past, kind of rapid rewind, and asked asked for forgiveness from anyone I had hurt, forgave those who had hurt me, you know, so I could just leave clean. And I also at the same time began connecting with source, with spirit, and said, "Okay, I'm coming home. You know, it's like I'm I'm ready." Mm -hmm. And uh, this golden light began pouring through me, and so I was in this beautiful expanded golden light state. And he shot a third time. The second and third bullets missed me by fractions of an inch. Uh, but I was by this time out of my body looking down at the van and seeing this little scene going on and finding it amusing because I was not involved anymore. I was, you know, from this observation point and mm -hmm. I was ready to ready to go home. You know, OK, I'm I'm ready to go home. Uh, mm -hmm. And then he shot a fourth time and um, my head was violently pushed to the side and blood was rushing out of my head onto my shoulders and my my face uh, and i found myself back in my body which was strange because i thought i should be the other direction you know i should be okay. out. Uh, and because i had studied anatomy and physiology and psychology i knew myself quite well and so i was checking all of my systems to see what what had been injured because i felt intact but i didn't know where the bullet had gone through and I thought, well, if, if it went through my brain, I ought to be missing something. Mm. But but I seemed to be okay, even though my head hurt like hell. Mm -hmm. uh, and at that point, I thought, okay, well, I'm here. I want to, if I'm going to die, I want to at least look my assassin in the eyes. Mm. And so I picked up, picked up my head and I turned and I looked at him and he freaked out. And he jumped <laughs> up and he said, why aren't you dead, man? You're supposed to be dead. And I didn't have a good answer for that question. Mm -hmm. I didn't know why. So I just said, here I am. And he said, that's too weird, man. It's just like my dream. And I said, what What? what dream? He said, I, I, I dreamed I was shooting at this guy this morning, but it wasn't you. It was somebody else. And he, but, he, but he wouldn't die. Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, this is strange. This has gotten very strange. And how did I end up in this movie? I don't remember signing a contract, you know, for, for being a, a part of this movie, you know. Um, and I, I realized, okay, well, he's he's as surprised as I am. Maybe if I spoke to him slowly and quietly, he might settle down and he might not shoot me. Mm -hmm. So that began an eight-hour conversation. And so we, various things happened during those eight hours, but eventually we negotiated how to get out of the situation. And we ended up shaking hands and parting ways, and he went his way and I went mine. Hmm. That's the short version. <laughs> what a story. What a story. 
Wow, and you're here, breathing, talking, telling us of... Uh, uh, telling tall tales, yes. <laughs> you're telling us. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, um, and, and yeah, I was... Uh, we shall come back to that. You mentioned about being a graduate at 75. You don't look the slightest on your face. Uh, tell us the secret in that. Is it... <laughs> Has it, has it got to do with your beliefs overcoming or changing your belief systems or what is it? It, it does. It does. I don't believe I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start believing that also from today. I'm going to start believing that I'm not old. I'm young. I'm young. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, I, for a long time I thought, okay, I don't, I don't want to get older. I want to get younger. I want a youth, not, not uh, get older. So mm -hmm. uh, I think I programmed that in. But also, it, it has a lot to do with living your passion, living uh -huh. your dream. I love what I do. I okay. mean, I, after, I was, after I was shot and almost killed, uh, I became a headhunter, mm. which is kind of ironic, isn't it, that I was had my head hunted and then I became a headhunter? But wow. <laughs> so, so I was in executive search for 25 years, but then I, I turned to coaching and teaching, and then my whole life lit up because I was doing mm -hmm. something I love. So when you do something you love, it's not really work, you know, it's, yeah. it's joy. So mm -hmm. that's a, a big part of it as well. Wow, that's good. So, so two things, I'm gonna believe I'm young. And second, I'm gonna be loving everything that, I, that I'm doing, the work that I'm doing, and especially this podcasting, I'm gonna love it more and more. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Uh, now, changing our limiting beliefs. How, how do I change them now? Because we haven't come to that yet. How do I change them? How do I, uh, those beliefs that were implanted in me in my mother's womb and those beliefs that came to me from observing the environment, the people around me, how do I change? There are, there are so many years with me. That's true. And there are many people who talk about changing beliefs and they have different ways of doing it. Um, but most of them don't work very well. I tried them mm -hmm. all. I, I was I once I realized that beliefs were the significant thing that would change our life. Mm -hmm. I tried all the different techniques I could find for changing beliefs, and most mm -hmm. of them didn't work very well. And there's a, there's a reason for it, and that is is that they they use only one dimension of the self. Mm -hmm. So we have many dimensions. We're multi-dimensional beings having multi-dimensional experiences. Right now, you're seeing, smelling, hearing, touching, feeling, intuiting. You have an energy body, and you're feeling my energy, and I'm feeling yours. We have a relationship, so we have a relational body. Uh, we have our cultural environment as well as our physical environment. So these are all dimensions of the self. Mm -hmm. Most techniques that you try to change your beliefs with usually just use the mental verbal uh, channel. It's like we have 50 channels and they're using one of them. And mm -hmm. so if you try a mental verbal approach, well, I'm just going to change my mind. I'm just going to believe something different. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't, that doesn't touch your emotional body. It doesn't touch your spiritual body. It doesn't touch your physical body. So it's only changing the mental body. Mm. Or, or you can beat a pillow, like in psychology. Sometimes they give you a pillow to beat, to, you know, beat up that person who hurt you. Uh, that's a good emotional release, but mm. that's only one channel. It's the emotional channel. It doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily touch the subconscious mind or the superconscious mind. Mm -hmm. So 
what I discovered was that the way to really clear a belief is to clear it, to clear it completely from all the dimensions of the self, not mm -hmm. just one or two. And so my techniques are all based on that multidimensional aspect of what the belief is. Mm -hmm. You don't have to change all your beliefs. You only have to change the problematic ones because some beliefs are very helpful, like um, look both ways before you cross the street. That's a good belief to have. You wouldn't want to get rid of that one because then you'd get hit by a bus. Mm -hmm. right? So uh, you first look at your life and you say, where are the problems? What's interfering with my life? Why can't I do what I want to do, be who I want to be, love who I want to love, love my work, etc.? And then you document the beliefs about that. And in my free ebook, there's a, a, an exercise called belief self-diagnosis, where you learn how to document all of your beliefs about a particular topic. Mm. So you take finances, for example, if you're having trouble financially, and you say, what do I believe about money and finance? And then you listen to your mind speak. You do this over and over again, and you write down all of the beliefs you have about money and finance. And mm -hmm. then you look at them and say, which ones are causing interference? And now when you can identify those beliefs, then you can go to the next step of clearing them. And uh, I, I offer one technique in my Clear Your Beliefs uh, program that you can use over and over and over again to clear the belief completely that's interfering with your life. Mm -hmm. And we have many beliefs. We have thousands of beliefs, and some of them are very interfering. And mm -hmm. then some of them cluster together. So you have to kind of clear one, clear the next, clear the next, and then it kind of falls apart. And most of us only have three to five big clusters of negative beliefs about ourselves or about other people or about the world. And mm -hmm. so it may take a few months of work, but then you are living free of them and you can new opportunities open, new doorways open. You see things in the world that you weren't seeing before because mm -hmm. we see through our beliefs. You know, if I believe life is dangerous, all I see is danger everywhere, right? If I believe life is joy, I'm looking through that belief and now I see joy everywhere and that makes me mm -hmm. joyful. So, so that's, that's how we work it. Okay. That's beautiful. Lion Goodman. I go to your profile and I discover that you are specifically working with men. So good man, men. How is that? Why? <laughs> Why? How did that come to be? Why are you specifically working with and in which ways are you working with men? Uh, I, be, I got involved with men's work about 40 years ago. Uh, at the time, women were gathering together and creating women's circles and women's groups. And men started saying, well, what about us? You know, so maybe that'll work for us. Mm -hmm. So we formed we formed groups of men who would stay together, be together once a week or once every other week and go deep with ourselves. And we each had special gifts to offer. And so we offered each other the gifts that we had of how to solve a problem or how to be a better man or how to change our behavior or change our relationships. And so that project uh, ended up becoming a men's tribe. Uh, we call it the, the tribe of men. Um, and uh, it's based here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we have about 100 men who've been through an initiation process. Because in, in ancient cultures, and many tribal cultures today, they have initiation ceremonies for the young men to mm -hmm. help the young men become a man. And sometimes it involves pain or struggle or challenge, but we, we, they're challenged to rise up into manhood from boyhood. Mm -hmm. and our, our 
American culture, I don't know about your cultures, but in our American culture, uh, boys stay boys for a long time, often until they're 30. <laughs> and then, then something wakes up, you know, and they start becoming a man. Uh, mm -hmm. So we created an initiation process based somewhat on old principles, somewhat on new, and said we need to challenge each other, challenge ourselves, challenge each other to become better men. Okay. And so that process began the tribe of men. And uh, I've also brought together men in summits and many other ways. I've, uh, um, I love men. I love being a man. And we can become better men uh, if we choose to. Mm. So uh, that's a tribal man. Do you still continue to work with only them? Or do you also work with, like my audience who are listening, now you offered them a free book. And is there a way that you work with them also? Yes, I, I, I work with anyone who wants to work with me. Um, men, women, children, teenagers, couples. Uh, groups, um, committees, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, cor corporate uh, corporate teams. So uh, this work applies to everyone because we all have beliefs that are in the way. Okay. And so when we go into a company and work with their salespeople, what are the beliefs that are preventing the salespeople from being their best self and producing the best sales? Mm -hmm. We clear those beliefs, their sales go up, everybody's happy. Uh, and we can do that in any kind of team format inside a company. But for individuals, um, it's a very deep amount of work. Many people say that in one session with me, they got more out of it than three years of therapy. Mm. And that's because talk therapy only talks to that mental verbal part of the mind. Okay. And we go, we go down into the subconscious mind and change things there. And mm. when that happens, everything else changes, it's fast, it's complete, and it, it has a big impact on life. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, how can people connect with you if they want to? Yeah, through my uh, two websites. One is liongoodman.com. Okay. Uh, that's my personal website, and I have many articles, including that story that I told you. Uh, call, it's called Lion's Near-Death Experience. Um, and uh, I offer different free eBooks and programs there. That's liongoodman.com or clearyourbeliefs.com for coaching. And I have many coaches. I train coaches in this methodology. And we have many coaches all around the world that can work with people uh, to clear their beliefs, clear their limiting beliefs, and make their life better. Oh, thank you. So go and connect with Lion Goodman, uh, just at liongoodman.com. And get to know much more of how to change your limiting beliefs and change your life. We really appreciate you coming to this episode. We are almost coming to the end of it, and uh, we thank you. Thank you, Anthony. It's great to be here. I love sp spreading this knowledge and information as widely as possible, and thank you for helping with that mission. Yes, and you're welcome. So we are just about to sign off, but before we sign off, we'd like you to leave us with a few words that we should always remember. Which are they? Uh, uh, if there's something you don't like about your life, find out what you believe about it and change your beliefs. If you're frustrated, find out what you believe about what you're frustrated about and then change your beliefs. If you're unhappy in love or in finance or money or in, with relationships in your family or friends, find out what you believe about it and change your beliefs. When you change your beliefs at the core, at the subconscious level, 
everything else will change. Mm. Change your beliefs and everything else will change. Yeah. And especially your limiting beliefs, that is. Yes. Coming from Lion Goodman. Yes, uh, this has been a beautiful episode. And uh, we've come to the end of it. So if you've watched it or even get to watch it after we are live, then share this episode with all your friends, leave a comment, and we'll appreciate. That's about it for today. This has been Now Tell Us. I've been your host, Anthony Moirore, and our guest has been Lion Goodman. And together, we are saying bye for now. Bye.